Welcome to the Body Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Kiara. You can expect new episodes each Wednesday that are educational, inspiring, and honest surrounding various women's health topics, spirituality, and so much more. The Body Wisdom Podcast was brought to life by integrating the physical and emotional body to deepen one's healing journey. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Body Wisdom Podcast. I'm sitting here with Therese Dansby, who was on the podcast previously. I'll be sure to link that episode as well, um, mainly talking about breastfeeding. But Therese has since become pregnant again, and she gave birth and now is in postpartum recovery. So that's kind of where we're headed today. So thank you for coming on, Therese. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's kind of a fun I was brand new pregnant the last time we talked. So it's kind of a full circle moment to be back here talking about postpartum. Yeah, I'm so excited. So um, before we get into postpartum talk, let's, um, for those who haven't listened to the episode um, that we did previously, could you tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about these topics? Yeah, I was a NICU nurse for seven years before having my first kiddo. Um, I had also briefly worked at a birth center. I had also worked at a high-risk OB clinic. So I'd kind of done, the majority of my career had been working with postpartum moms. And um, so I had this educational foundation, but then when I had my first kiddo, I realized how important it was to really be working with the postpartum mom because you have the baby and everybody's focused on the baby, particularly in the NICU world, and nobody's really checking in on mom anymore. And um, I knew that if I was feeling that loneliness in a perfectly healthy pregnancy and delivery scenario, I knew that there was a huge need for um, postpartum focus. And so um, when I had my first, I also had trouble breastfeeding. And so I pivoted at that point to become a lactation consultant and um, I've been doing that ever since. And it's just been, um, my professional journey has kind of paralleled my own healing journey as well. Um, postpartum with my first, I had a lot of questions that nobody could answer. And like many of your listeners, it kind of frustrated me because I felt like if I could just find the right doctor or the right, whatever supplement or protocol, like I'll feel like myself again. And I just wasn't finding that. And my work background had um, set me up to maybe expect the worst and to think that the providers have the answer for everything. My health is in their hands. Um, it, it was an interesting perspective to come into new motherhood with. And so there was a lot of unlearning that had to happen with that first one too. Um, so, so here I am, just the professional and the parallel or the professional and the personal have collided and this is what I do. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I couldn't agree more. I feel like my own healing journey has paralleled my, my professional career as well. And I feel like that really just kind of goes against everything that we've learned because we've, th- we've been taught to just look to the authoritative figures such as doctors and then, you know, they do serve a time and a place for sure. But, um, I don't think that they have always had that firsthand experience with whatever symptoms or whatever is presented to them. So then they just, you know, do what they do and do what they're trained to do. 
Um, and so I just, I'm so grateful for this space and being able to, like you said, unlearn and relearn and actually get to the roots. I put that in air quotes, the roots of everything so that, um, I don't know. I just feel like we, we can finally stop symptom chasing and stop um, outsourcing our health to other figures when we actually become one with our bodies. So I love that. Um, so how was pregnancy for you? Let's go around. Yeah, I was, I was so happy to be pregnant again. I didn't know if we were going to have a third or not. Um, <laughs> we, were of, we were kind of at this point, like now or never, it, it's a four and a half year gap. So it's, it's a little bit bigger than yeah um, many choose and um so but isn't that like also amazing because you were able to resource yourself like in between and i know that's something that child spacing is something that's like fairly new to me at least because i remember wanting kids back to back to back because yeah. i just wanted to i wanted them to be close in age but then i actually learned that child spacing child spacing could actually be really beneficial for for you and baby Yes, I, uh, and I knew that in my head, but I think, so my first two or three years apart, but I breastfed for essentially two and a half years. So there was really not a gap between the, I really didn't have my body back to myself mm -hmm. um, between them, even though they were spaced farther apart. So this, this time I did have like a full year over a year of, um, that's awesome. Yeah, of not breastfeeding, of not being pregnant. You, you can experiment, I feel like, a little bit more with supplements and things like that when nobody else is relying on your body. <laughs> um, so it was, it was, it was nice. Now it's been a little bit of a rude awakening in terms of not sleeping through the night again and <laughs> changing diapers. <laughs> like True. Yes, but I think it gave me. I would not have been able to do them back to back to back. I just my body could not have done that. Yeah, that's, it's hard. It's a very beautiful yet stressful event for sure. Yes. So, so I loved pregnancy this time. It was different because I had older kids. We homeschool, so they had different needs. Um, I'm older. I mean, I'll put that in air quotes. I'm 36. <laughs> so I am advanced maternal age. Uh, and, and it was, you know, my body's been stretched out before it was it was more difficult in some ways, but it was a lot more joyful than um, my first two pregnancies were a little bit more anxious than this one was a lot more joyful. Um, I also had, I had home birth care up until 38 weeks, which was new to me. I loved not having to drive to the doctor's office. I saw midwives previously, but there were hospital deliveries and um, it was just like hour, every hour long appointment. I, I kept apologizing to my midwife because I, felt like a first time mom. Cause I was just, <laughs> even though I'd had natural birth with my first two, I just felt like I was still unlearning and relearning so many things and learning how to trust my body again. And so, um, it was just a really special time of, um, just relearning to trust my body again, this pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think so many women, even if they're not pregnant or, you know, cause I think there's a lot of PTSD and trauma in the birthing rooms. Um, I don't know if you follow, I think, uh, Margaret from Muscles and Motherhood. She just actually uh, posted about having a, a traumatic birth. And then she is now, um, it, it really impacted the bonding between her and her child. And so now she's actually using cranial sacral to help, um, you know, their bond. And it, she just said it's, it's been a wonderful experience. So that's interesting, but learning to trust your body. What, um, 
I guess like, how did you work through that? How was it like leading up to actual birth and, and knowing and trusting that your body can do this, especially home birth at that too? Yeah. <laughs> so I think because of, of where my career had taken me, I just, the um, information in my brain was the worst case scenario. So, so my bias was towards the worst case scenario and mm. I was just, and totally needing to rely on the ultrasounds and the lab tests and the doctor needs to tell you if everything's okay. And, mm -hmm. um, and I still to, to reassure myself that I was completely low risk. Mm -hmm. I did still, um, get the lab work. I did still get the 20 week ultrasound. I just, I, I needed <laughs> to have those reassurances, but, um, my, it was just so helpful to talk with my midwife about, um, just tuning into myself, the baby, my gut feeling, throw the book knowledge out of the window. Like, you know, you know, when something's wrong and not, especially when you have been through it before, like, are you just anxious about this because somebody posted about it on Instagram and now it's running through your head? Or do you actually feel like baby's in the wrong position or, or something like that? So really just being heard and listened to and taken seriously in an hour long appointment was very helpful mm -hmm. um, versus like a 15 minutes on the clock, try to race through all your questions kind of appointment. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those days. I, I remember bringing my list of questions and yes. <laughs> making sure that they were all answered. That's, that's so beautiful. What you just said. It's just, I just needed to be heard and listened to. I feel like that's just what a lot of us need. And, and then we do feel heard and we feel seen, you know, after those appointments, that's why I do what I do because a lot of the women that I see, and I remember feeling this way too, with the practitioner, just like, I just finally felt so seen the first time I, I met with someone else other than a doctor. I was like, this is, this is it. I felt validated. Um, and I needed that external validation at the time. So, um, yeah. yeah. And that's a good point. Cause once somebody else, um, takes you seriously, it's easier to take yourself seriously and trust mm -hmm. yourself too. Yeah. that's it yeah so um aside from that how was pregnancy like how was you know first trimester morning sickness all those things yeah that is that is a good question so i um had um switched over to a pro-metabolic way of eating about a year before getting pregnant and i think um I think that sometimes there are so many stories about everything was fixed and perfect. And I had to remind myself that I had essentially 20 years of um, strong medications, you know, damaging supplements, depletion. I wasn't going to fix all my problems in a year. And I knew that going into pregnancy and um, just given my age and the spacing, we were like, if we wait till my health is perfect, it's not, it's not going to happen. So I went into it kind of knowing that, um, it was still a little bit of a bummer when I had morning sickness. Um, I, I'm always afraid to say this to people. I never threw up in pregnancy, but it was just that constant feeling of car sickness, not being hungry. Um, I did know better this time, um, eating more protein, drinking my adrenal cocktails. So even though I was nauseated, I was never dealing with kind of the low blood sugar, low blood pressure kind of issues that I had dealt with in previous pregnancies. So 
That's awesome. But that went away. Yeah. I mean, it went away by 15 or 16 weeks. Um, I did craniosacral therapy throughout this whole pregnancy and that made a huge difference. In wow. Yeah, in terms of discomfort and anxiety, which I wasn't expecting, <laughs> but I would always feel a lot calmer after those appointments. Um, and then third trimester was, I mean, my body was getting stretched out. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I had some round ligament pain, which I had never really had with the others. Mm -hmm. um, that would, it would just get frustrating by the end of the day. Um, it's funny because when I got off maternity leave this time, one of the moms asked me in one of my newborn care classes, she said, how quickly does this pain go away? She was asking about rolling over in bed, which shouldn't be painful, but towards the end, oh my gosh, it's such an ordeal. And I was like, oh, that kind of went away right away. Okay, thank you. I am glad to not be pregnant today. You kind of forget about those things. It was so miserable at the end, um, just musculoskeletally for me, um, partly because I was keeping up with two older active kids. But um, for me, the mind game at the end, my first two were born at 38 weeks. And so um, I went beyond that and went to my due date. And then I went beyond that. That was new to me. And that was very interesting. <laughs> Baby was not ready. And aren't those due dates like just so sometimes like way off? <laughs> they are. And I think I had, again, a bias in my brain that maybe the people who, just thinking maybe people didn't really know the day they got pregnant or may, you know, a lot of people aren't charting. A lot of people aren't in tune with their cycle. Do you really know what your due date is? And I just, am such a control freak. I felt like I know that this is my due date. True. Yeah. But I also know that it is in the end, a guest date because, you know, 38 to 42 weeks is still totally normal. Okay. But Yeah. So then 42 weeks came around. What was? Uh, 40, what? 41 weeks. 41. 41 weeks came around. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I had been getting home birth care. And at 38 weeks, um, the state that I live in is very home birth unfriendly. And they launched an investigation on the very few providers in my state. And so my provider had to back out <gasps> of all of her existing contracts. What? So, yep. So I'm 30 weeks pregnant and my midwife is like, um, my lawyer has advised me to cancel all my contracts. And this was statewide. I, I know I live in Nebraska and it's one of the two worst states in the country for home birth. Wow. Um, so, so nothing happened, but they had launched an investigation and it was kind of like a, everybody pause while we, you know, clear clear our names again. And it's just like a thing that my state does, which is very frustrating. So um, I was a mess. I mean, I was I cried for like 48 hours straight. I just had been so excited yeah. to have that home birth and to sleep in my own bed that night. And just uh, so <laughs> I kind of wonder if baby was late too. I feel like I was having prodromal labor. He had dropped I was having lots of contractions and then she told me that and I feel like he literally unengaged from my pelvis and just gave me a week to 
find a new provider, wrap my head around a new plan, get some counseling appointments under my belt, and just re um, reset my expectations. So that was a big curveball. Then wow. I hit my due date, and um, I'll admit to being impatient. I did um, go get acupuncture on my due date um, the next week so I guess 40 and three I did have them sweep my membranes I just like I felt like once I'd hit my due date some people are very into not even doing stuff like that but I felt like if I'm ready it'll work and if I'm not it won't and it didn't neither one of those things helped at all <laughs> um, so I got to 41 weeks and I was at my new provider's office um, and I was getting my non-stress tests and my provider is very naturally minded. Um, it was actually a male, which I never thought I would say, but um, he was just like, you are older, you're 41 weeks. Like, oh he was very sweet about it, but I could tell that 41 weeks was kind of his comfort threshold, which is nice because some other OBs, it's 39 or 40 weeks. And I could tell he was like, let's just get something on the calendar for next week. And so, um, but while I was sitting there for the non-stress test, making sure that the baby's heart rate and my placenta and everything were okay, I just started visualizing going into labor. I felt like I did so much mental work. I had done so much journaling and counseling, like get this baby out of here. But I was just sitting there just visualizing going into labor, even in the outfit that I was wearing. I was imagining labor starting that night, changing into my labor outfit, walking to the hospital. We live like two blocks away. Um, I just, just used that time to sit there and imagine it. And um, I went to bed that night and nothing was happening. <laughs> and I was so frustrated. I, you know, journaled like this is getting ridiculous what the heck is going on very frustrated and um I woke up that night at 145 and my water had broken so um I didn't have to be induced but it was it, it was new to me to have to even consider um those kind of measures yeah yeah. yeah. So it was like this new stress of, well, first having undergone the, the stress of the, the midwife and then finding a new provider and then um the possibility of having to be induced. It was like, no, this is not like, we just have our plans. And I feel this so much because I have my, my plans um, as it pertains to home birth and I'm not even close to being pregnant. Um, but you just have that vision and it's like, ah, oh, that's, that's ideal and that's perfect. But then when life actually happens, it's just like, how do you, how do you work through that? How do you just like, yeah, let life be life. Yeah, it's hard to hold it with a loose hand. Yeah. And I think if you have any sort of background of trauma at all, which yeah. do, mm -hmm. it is hard to, it's hard to look forward to something. And so I think even more so when you look forward to something and it doesn't play out that way, it is almost more disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I'm very much learning too in my personal life to not expect the worst um so I, I was pretty fearful leading up to it and I thought for sure my body had um forgotten how to go into labor you know just forgotten maybe I am too old maybe I am you know all of these messages the thoughts, like, yeah. yeah yes yeah I don't think you're the only one 
there. I think there are yes. probably several women in that boat. So that's, um, I almost want to like normalize that, you know, like it can be normal, but I think what's important is, is shifting the relationship to our thoughts. I think, uh, you know, I've been there where I can just fall too deep into them and I start like actually believing them. And that's when things start to feel like overwhelming or suffocating or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think the, the relationship to them matters, but of course, like we're human, (laughs) And, and we, um, have those fears. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that your um, so then your water broke and then was it fast labor? Oh yeah. So my first one was 30 hours. Um, and my second one was eight hours. Um, and then this one, I, uh, I had been three centimeters when I had my membrane swept at, at 40 weeks. Um, I had, I had mostly declined all internal exams, by the way, this pregnancy, which was amazing. Um, I don't think I, you know, I just didn't know you could say no to that um, (laughs) when you can. So, but I did in the end, you know, like I said, at 40 weeks, I kind of wanted to know, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but I want to know where I'm starting at. And then when I, um, so my water broke and then I just immediately had a really strong contraction. And so I immediately called my parents and my doula um and took a shower changed into you know my labor outfit and um my doula got there and we walked to the hospital and um my contractions were like three or four minutes apart um they just monitored me really briefly and I did ask to be checked one more time just because I wanted to know where I was starting from um, and I was still at a three. So I'm like, wait a mm-hmm. second, I'm in active labor and I'm still at a three. Um, but I was at three centimeters at 4.30 a.m. and he was born at 6.26 a.m. So it was really fast in the end. Um, mm-hmm. And I was overwhelmed at first. It took me a while to get back into my body because it was happening so fast. I had envisioned um, initially at home, I had envisioned a water birth when I switched to the hospital, I had to switch to the idea of a water labor. Um, and I made it very clear to my provider, like, I don't want to be pushing flat on my back, um, all of those things. But I just, I remember getting in the tub and with my first two, the tub was very relaxing. I had a break between contractions and I remember getting in the tub this time and just not experiencing any relief. Mm. And I, I had a moment of panic where I was like, this is, going way faster than I thought. And my doula's like, yeah, baby's going to be here soon. It's, it's okay. You know, (laughs) she was like, you, you're ready to be done and you're going to be done so soon. So, um, it was very fast in the end. I was in the tub briefly. I think I listened to maybe one or two songs on my labor playlist. Yeah. uh, yeah, It was, yes. (laughs) <laughs> and then I got out and I was in all fours on the bed and that's where I was till he was born. Wow. So. Wow. So how have you um, been shifting to adapt to what is actually present for you today? Like, um, you know, having the home birth plans and then having to go to the hospital and then still getting that water experience, but not exactly as you intended to. Like, what was that feeling like after you gave birth? So I didn't 
I thought that those were going to be the things I was going to be processing postpartum. And what ended up happening was that my labor was amazing. And baby was, he was a pound bigger than my other two, which is fine. He was three weeks later, totally Uh, normal. Yeah. Um, Eight pounds, nine ounces though. Not, um, not anything crazy. Birthing on hands and knees was amazing. Um, the first two were unmedicated, but I ended up being on my back in that typical birthing position. Um, I labored. My goal this time was to just stay calm until the fetal ejection reflex kicked in and it did. So I'm, I'm on all fours. I am, um, contracting one on top of the other. Um, the doula had a blanket draped over my backside my provider was like standing in the corner cheering me on. I mean, nobody's touching me. And he was very sweet. My husband's like, every time you would have a contraction, he would like do a little dance and move. <laughs> he, he has six kids of his own. So I, I mean, it was just amazing. So sweet. But everybody was just like, the lights were out. There were Christmas lights up. I mean, it was just, it was very calm. It was really wow. everything I could have wanted it to be. It was just two blocks away from my house instead of in my house (laughs) and then I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh the head is out everybody's like oh okay so he just yeah he just came out um so then the provider comes over so there was no checking like you're 10 you need to push blah 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 it was just my body doing its thing which was really wonderful after all that waiting um and there was a brief moment where a lot of times the head comes out and they're like, okay, take a breath, you know, with the next contraction, we'll press, we'll push mm-hmm. the shoulders out. And this time the provider was like, okay, his head's out, but I need you to give me three good pushes. And of course my nurse brain kicks in and I'm like, oh no, his shoulder's stuck or something. Um, it really just took two pushes and they were not crazy hard pushes. Um, my provider said if I'd been in any other position it probably would have been a shoulder dystocia it was not a shoulder dystocia um he came out really easily but he came out with um a hand above his head so it wasn't his shoulders it was like this weird angle from his elbow to his other shoulder wow so again you know fine he came out easily i'm laying down he's laying next to me and um Once the placenta came out though, I started bleeding a lot and it was, so that ended up being the whole big thing, um, that he tore my cervix a little bit coming out. My mom's going to be like, this is way too much information. (laughs) (laughs) We're here for it. Yeah. Hi mom. Um, (laughs) so, So it wasn't a typical postpartum hemorrhage where the uterus was maybe not um, contracting. My uterus was hard and um, I just, I lost a lot of blood really quickly because the cervix is so um, um, vascular. Mm. So it ended up being labeled a postpartum hemorrhage, even though it wasn't one in the classic sense. So um, all throughout that, my provider was keeping me informed. We ended up not needing to do stitches or anything. He was able to just apply pressure and the bleeding stopped. But um, I lost so much blood so quickly that I ended up passing out. Uh, my blood pressure plummeted. Um, and then the next day when I went home, my hemoglobin was so low. He said, you qualify for a blood transfusion. And I said, 
heck no, I don't want a blood transfusion. <laughs> I'm going to go home and, um, you know, drink my bone broth and shake my beef liver and it'll be fine. And, um, it was fine for about 24 hours and then it ended up needing to be emergently readmitted. So it wasn't birth trauma in the traditional sense, but it ended up being really scary kind of loss of control of my body, um, and worrying for, for the health of myself. Um, I really, when I got readmitted, I really thought I was going to die. Um, <sighs> it was just my brain. I was just not in my body anymore. So I ended up getting three units of blood. So that ended up being the thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I really just wanted to process those other little things. I ended up coming home with a much bigger thing to process than I expected. Wow. So you were readmitted and then you were released 24 hours later. Like, um, I was actually in the hospital longer the second time than I was the first time. Uh, I think I stayed two nights the second time. So, and then I went home still, I mean, my hemoglobin had come up to nine after three units of blood. Um, but I still like showering was an aerobic activity. I felt like I was going to pass out. It was, um, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, without a doubt for sure. Yeah. Um, so when you got home, how, how did you process all of that? Like take us through postpartum and what that looked like. Yeah, it was, um, it, it was really interesting. The first three weeks I had kind of planned on not really getting out of bed a whole lot. And this was like a forced, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I kind of had, I had panic attacks every evening and, um, I just felt really out of control of my body and I was really intolerant of physical changes. So like cramping was triggering for me. Um, my blood pressure was getting high every evening and that was triggering for me. Um, walking to the bathroom and having my heart rate rise was triggering to me. It was just, it it was a very surreal experience of, um, of just not being in control. And I, every time those symptoms happened, even though they were within the realm of normal, my body just went to the worst case scenario. Um, so I was, I was panicking every night for about three weeks, um, once I was physically stronger, um, the good news is the way I've been eating and supplementing and all the things I've learned, my hemoglobin went from nine to 12 and a half in like a week and a half with no wow. supplements. So, Heck yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so I had to just, I had to hold on to little things like that. Like, okay, my body is still, um, it's still working for me. Um, and, and this, this work I put into my health wasn't wasted work. And, um, I did, I did have the delivery I wanted. It was just so overshadowed for so long that I had to really even reclaim that, like have my husband tell me the story, have my doula tell me the story. Like, let's remember the good part of the story before the bad part of the story. Um, so after about three weeks when I was more physically, um, stable. Mm-hmm. I just kind of threw myself into, into recovery. I was like, this is just 
And that's a little bit of the OCD perfectionist in me. It's like, listen, this did not look at all the way I wanted it to. And I want it to look the way I want it to as soon as possible, um, which isn't even really realistic either, but it's what I needed to tell myself. So um, you can't think your way out of a panic attack, right? And so even traditional talk therapy, I knew enough to know that that wasn't gonna work for me right off the bat. Um, previous trauma work I had done was related to like emotional and relational trauma. So a lot of things that worked for me in those experiences were coming home to my body, feeling safe in my body. And in this case, my body didn't feel safe. And so those kind of like meditation and things like that weren't safe for me anymore. And so um, that's when I kind of resonated with what you started posting about somatic work and addressing trauma from that angle mm -hmm. has really been exactly what I've been learning as well, that um, I've been getting fascial work, um, craniosacral therapy, trauma massage. And then with my counselor, I am, I am talking, but we're also doing brain spotting, which is kind of an iteration of EMDR. So, um, and now, I mean, 16 weeks postpartum, I feel like here I am telling you the story without crying. But the first time I told the story, I was like hyperventilating, you know? So it has been a journey of really finding safety in my body before I can even address the story the way I want to. Wow. I'm just like in awe. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. It is a very intimate story. Um, and what a beautiful story to share and just how you, you came out of that and are basically just coming back home to your body now. So beautiful. Yeah. yeah I think um, I have a friend whose mom had birth trauma. She had an emergency C-section 30 years ago um, and never addressed it. And here she is 30 years later, refusing to have surgery for another health issue because she never addressed her birth trauma. And I think that it is so easy to, almost shame yourself like why why am I reacting this way I'm healthy my baby's healthy um yeah. and I think for me too I had had two uneventful births and I think I just was not expecting this this time around I and yeah. uh, and there was a little bit of I don't want to say shame there but just confusion like why why would this happen? I did everything right. By the book. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I do, I don't want to make it sound like a, a how-to sort of podcast, but it definitely is a me too sort of podcast. Like things happen that are out of our control and we can move through them. Um, and it's okay if your postpartum doesn't look Instagram filter worthy. I feel like some some people are glamorizing the the diapers and the sits bottles and that kind of stuff too. And it's not that either. It's something in between. Yeah, everyone's journey looks so so different. But thank you for for humanizing it and and normalizing it. Um, and that just kind of goes back to the idea of trauma as a whole, like we can still choose to live despite our traumas. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that adds more resiliency to our systems at the same time, because you went through a very stressful event and now you're just recovering from that. And I think that just shows how freaking incredible the human body is, especially as yeah. a woman, like, wow. 
just yes. in awe of the, the female body every single day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And resiliency is the key. It, it's, we just, I think I was hoping for this corrective emotional experience, you know, third time is a charm. I'm going to do everything right this time. I'm going to go out with a bang and, mm. and it's like, you just resiliency. Yeah. is absolutely the name of the game with, with any birth experience. Yeah. So is there any advice that you would give to expecting mothers, um, either pregnant now or trying to conceive in the future? Yeah, I think, um, and I did, I hesitated with how much to even share on this podcast because I don't want to trigger anybody or make anybody think that, oh my gosh, even when you do everything right, something can go wrong. Yeah. Um, I really don't want that to be the message here. I think that, and I don't regret a minute uh, the excited anticipation that I had during pregnancy. I were, I know you've had Teresa on your podcast a few times. I worked with her during pregnancy to really kind of, yeah, yeah. Love her so much. Yes, I do too. I just, uh, to rewire those loops that tell me that everything is doom and gloom. And, um, we focused a lot on like, imagining the best case scenario and I don't I don't regret any of that um I don't know if you watch Schitt's Creek but there's a quote um where Moira Rose says worry is but undernourished enthusiasm I love that and I had I I am constantly reminding myself of that because I'm so worried that things are going to go wrong because I'm so excited to meet this baby you know Mm. because it's so important to me um, and that helped take the shame away from the worry, you know, it's like, okay, so you're worrying right now, but you're worrying because you're so excited. This means so much to you. Um, so I think that, I think that expect the delight. Absolutely. Um, I put down the phone <laughs> for all of us, right. That's a huge, mm. a huge thing. But I think when you're home alone with a newborn, if it's your first, when you're breastfeeding, um, it's so easy to pick up the phone. And I think even just one nursing session a day, put down the phone and look at your baby. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I'm a fan of hiring a doula. I'm a fan of, um, communicating your postpartum hopes and wishes with your partner, with your family, um, make freezer meals. I, my mom and my daughter and I made a whole bunch of freezer meals at 35 weeks. And it was really, it was really fun to do together. And it was just obviously tangibly helpful, especially when I was on my feet, even less than I expected to be. Um, And I think it's okay. It's good to ask around for how other people have dealt with their um, postpartums. But I think it's important to remember when you're asking that you're not asking what should I do? You're asking what did you do to overcome this issue? And then your job is to pick and choose whatever resonates with you and to leave the rest. I feel like it's easy to think that my postpartum should look like hers or should look like that, or they handled it this way, so I should handle it this way. Um, and I think, I think keeping that perspective is helpful too. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. And how's baby boy now? Oh, he's great. He is, um, he just learned how to roll from his back to his stomach yesterday. (laughs) He is the happiest baby. He's very joyful. Um, his name is Isaac, which means laughter. So, um, 
he is definitely, he definitely brings a lot of joy to our family. How old is he now? 16 weeks. Oh my goodness. So not quite boy. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Wow. What a story, Therese. Yeah. Thank yeah, you so for, for sharing that with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I just, um, yeah, we talked last time we talked about breastfeeding what postpartum yeah we talked about breastfeeding we talked about what postpartum should look like and I feel like this time we'll talk about what postpartum can look a little more like. nitty-gritty yeah 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 so many different possibilities for sure but I think um at the end of it like you are finding that joy you are finding that delight and it's here and he's here so yes it's awesome. <laughs> where can we keep up with you um, on Instagram, I'm at happy.mama.healthy.baby. My website is happymamahealthybaby.co. Um, I do, um, I'm a lactation consultant, so I mostly do in-person visits, but I um, have been doing a lot of virtual prenatal appointments if somebody has um, risk factors for um, breastfeeding issues like infertility or breast surgery or previous breastfeeding experience, things like that I can do virtually. So all that information is on my website. Beautiful. I'll be sure to link that along with the, um, previous episode that we recorded together. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening everyone. Until next time. Thanks. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If the episode resonated with you, feel free to share it with a friend and give the podcast a five-star review and rating as this allows us to grow and continue having incredible guests on the show. Thank you so much for your support until next time.